This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles. Let's go to the 107th Psalm. You'll notice that it's a lengthy psalm compared to many of the others. We want to look at the psalm in its entirety. That's how the Lord gave it to us. So we're going to need to move quickly this morning. I hope that you have a way that you're taking notes. At least get the outline. There's a natural outline in the psalm as we are going to see because throughout the psalm the Lord repeats himself from time to time as he speaks through uh, the human author Many scholars think that that author was David, but we know the divine author gave us this for our own edification. Tuesday night was a blessing, very special service. I believe it thrilled the heart of God as it also lifted our hearts. If you weren't here, hopefully you were able to watch it by live stream. Uh, Such a variety of things that uh, the Lord was praised for. And I want to be careful in what I say today. Other comments have been made from this pulpit. Uh, The scripture tells us to give thanks for everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so I don't want our thoughts to focus away from the fact that we're to give God thanks for everything. I had the opportunity uh, with my family, all of us, uh, we were, well, not all of us, it's a miracle when all of us get together, uh, 11 children but uh, and their families, but those of us that could meet in South Carolina, I had the opportunity in those mornings, uh, because it's usually quite busy and active in the house, I went outside, got a lawn chair, and just Uh, sat and looked at the sunrise, spent time in God's word. And it's easy sitting out there just to thank the Lord for all of that. And and we should do that along with the other things that we see uh, in our lives. So I believe that God was pleased with Tuesday night. I wish there was a way we could always have all our church family here for a service like that. Uh, That was not possible this time. But many of God's blessings were named as you participated in giving praise to him. We know from the word of God that all of us are to praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But in the Psalms especially, this is a stated specific theme. For instance, in Psalm 67 and verse 3, Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Well, I'm not a good public speaker, so I don't give testimonies. Wait a minute. Let all the people praise thee. Publicly, privately. Our conversations as God's people and with our families at home, it ought to be laced with praise to God. Praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing what God did there? That's the way our speech ought to be. 
Again, Psalm 67, verse 5, let the people praise thee. O God, let all the people praise thee. The Lord repeats himself. Psalm 106, the previous psalm where we are at this morning, verse 48, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. So our amens ought to follow the praise of others. And all that is is an affirmation. You know, isn't God good? Amen. Amen. I affirm that. I agree with that about my God. Now, it would be very easy to set our focus on other things this morning. Uh, but let's not move off this topic of thanksgiving just yet. When we think about sharing praise, it shouldn't be random. What if God would give us a list and say, praise me for these things? Our praise ought to be purposeful. But God in Psalm 107 gives us a list of things that we should specifically praise him for. Here is what he wants us to remember and to thank him for. Now, this was one of Israel's songs. They sang this publicly, but they sang it also as a reminder, this is what God wants us to praise him for. Within the outline of this psalm, or the way it's structured, God wants Israel to look back on our history and praise him specifically for things he did in their history. So Psalm 107 is one of the most important psalms in the Psalter because of its theme. While there are innumerable blessings that we should thank God for, there are specific areas this should be on our lips. In fact, I would even suggest to you, while we give God thanks for everything, we should purpose to thank him for these things. Here's what Spurgeon said about this psalm. This psalm begins and ends with hallelujah. In fact, if you look at the first verse and the last verse of this psalm, you'll see praise ye the Lord. The word praise there is Hallel, it's a Hebrew word from where we get our word, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The space between these two descriptions of praise is filled with the mournful details of Israel's sin. Again, Spurgeon speaking here. And the extraordinary patience of God. And truly, we do well to bless the Lord both at the beginning and the end of our meditations when sin and grace are the themes. What, what is Spurgeon saying? What this psalm is about is about failure. Israel's history is one of failure. By the way, your history is one of failure. So is mine. Except for God's grace. And through the Lord Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We've been redeemed, and then we've been enabled to please him in all things. And above everything else, that should be our praise. 
Now to look more specifically, verses 32 and 43 are what God desires to happen through the truth of this psalm. Look at verse 32. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. All right, so from the leadership to those who may be considered the least. And I, and I would even include with that, we love the children here, but these little ones, when it comes to the function of this assembly, uh, we're, we're doing more to care for them right now than they're doing to care for us, right? Okay. All right. Uh, so from the elders to the congregation, all right, everyone should be praising him in the assembly. By the way, that's why we love to hear from the children when they praise God. And you young people shouldn't hold back from wanting to praise the Lord publicly. So our praise to the Lord should emanate from all. And that's what this psalm will explain. Look at verse 43 now. Whoso is, what? Wise. And will observe these things, praising God. They're the wise. Even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I want to just focus on that word loving kindness for a moment. Do you know that that, that word is used in 241 verses in your Bible? What does it mean? Those are wise who understand the kindness, the mercy, the goodness of the Lord, and within the context, return praise. Is God kind, merciful, and good? Some of you may be sitting here this morning, and you're wondering, I don't know, I'm not so sure. Because I have this circumstance, I have this wayward child, I have, I have, I, 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 stop. In the overall scope of things, don't ever question the kindness and the mercy of God. I know our flesh wants to do that. But if you will look into the scripture and look into the mirror, you have no reason to question that. If you're saved today and on your way to heaven, the fact that all of this is temporary and all that's eternal, praise God. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hurt. This has happened. I'm in debt. I... We shall all be changed. God is good. Now, what is it that the wise will observe from this psalm? What is mentioned in the text that teaches us the loving kindness of the Lord? I want you to note specifically verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. Again, 8, 15, 21, 31. We'll read it as we go through the message, but all those verses say the very same thing. They are like transitions in the psalm, and whatever happens between those transitions, that's what we need to give God thanks for. Why should men and women give thanks to the Lord? What goodness is noted in each of these subdivisions? What are his wonderful works to the children of men? Well, here's section number one. God takes us through redemption to 
rest. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're redeemed of the Lord, you have so many reasons to give God praise. So redemption to rest, that's the first section here. Look at verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Now, while some consider that David wrote this psalm, others will say, because of even this first section, probably a later writer. That's, that's what they think, because it speaks of a gathering of God's people from around the world. So whoever the author is, here's the point. God's people have been redeemed. This speaks of Israel's deliverance. Now certainly there are aspects of this that point to deliverance from Egypt. And then the wilderness wanderings. What does redemption mean? It's the act by which someone is saved through a sacrificial purchase. Let me say that again. It's the act by which someone is saved through a sacrificial purchase. So think about Egypt. The children of Israel were delivered out. What was the last thing that happened in Egypt before Pharaoh thrust them out? The Passover, right? What was sacrificed at the Passover? A lamb. Many, many lambs, all pointing to the Lamb of God that would bear away the sin of the world. But in Egypt that night, many lambs were sacrificed. Blood was applied to the door posts in every dwelling. And where the blood was not applied, the firstborn died. And so God kept going to Pharaoh through Moses saying, let my people go. Pharaoh, they're not your people. They're my people. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh wouldn't listen. And so a sacrifice was made, and it was through the events of that night that started with blood being applied where Israel was thrust out. They were delivered. They were saved, rescued. Now, obviously, all of that pointed to the Lamb of God who would hang on a cross one day and Jesus would shed his blood so that you and I might be redeemed. And the scripture tells us, you're not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. And so Israel was delivered. Then God put them in the wilderness he redeemed his people, verse 2, from powerful enemies. Then verse 6, from distresses. And was gathered and gathered them from every corner of the earth, verse 3, while meeting their every need. I watched a documentary recently that talked about events down in the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, talked about um, Mount Sinai 
And, and it showed multiple videos of that area down there. It is desolation. And God took care of four to six million people down there. He gave them water. He gave them food. Their clothes didn't wear out. He kept their flocks alive. Verse 7 says, he led them by the right way. No doubt there were Jews that thought, you know, there's got to be a greener way. There's got to be a shorter way. What are we doing down here? But God's way was the right way. Sometimes, Christian, you're going to feel like you're in a wilderness. Lord, what am I doing here? If you're in the center of God's will, it is the right place to be. And from the wilderness then, God led them to cities, mainly the city of Jerusalem. And they were established. And so what should we thank God for? Redemption. I love when folks stand and give a testimony and they say something like this. First thing I want to thank God for tonight is my salvation. Oh, you're right. You're spot on. I want to thank the Lord that he saved me. I miss Ron Reed's testimonies. But he would stand up, and that's what he wanted to thank God for, the fact that he was saved. God does not lead from one captivity to another. He doesn't lead from one wilderness to another. Instead, he leads out of captivity and distress to a land of promise. When you get saved, he leads you into a land of promise where all these promises now apply to you as a child of God. Whereas you hungered and thirsted and couldn't be satisfied, now you are satisfied through Christ in what he says. He also leads from a place of vulnerability to a place of security where God even makes our enemies to be at peace with us when we're walking in his steps. We go from tents to a city of habitation. Israel was led to an earthly Jerusalem. The church is headed to a new Jerusalem. And what about that place where nothing corrupts? There is no presence of sin. No thieves, no fear, no threats. And so we should first give thanks for our redemption that will lead to eternal rest. You can have peace that passes understanding. Now, God's called us to peace. But for all eternity, what our existence is is defined by rest and peace. Now look at verse 8. How does this first section end? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his, say it, his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. When's the last time you thanked the Lord for your redemption? Every morning that ought to be the first thing that escapes your lips. You're surrounded by people that are hellbound. You're not if you know Christ. Thank you, Lord for your goodness to the children of men. The psalmist moves on then from redemption to rest to this second area. Listen carefully, rebellion to restoration. 
rebellion to restoration. Verse 9, for he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Who are the hungry? Who are the longing? Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, sometimes literal fetters. Verse 11, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned. What's that word? They spurned, they rejected the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and, were, uh, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands asunder. Wow, rebellion. They turned from the Lord, his word, to restoring them to a relationship with him and freedom. And when you look at those verses, verses 9 to 14, does it remind you of a time in Israel's history early on? Somebody help me. Talk to me this morning. Judges. Very good. Early in their history, God puts them in the land of promise. And they do exactly what God warned them not to do. You're going to eat from fields that you didn't plant. You're going to live in cities you didn't build. And you're going to be tempted to forget me. Did they? They sure did. They went into idolatry. Now, I have to stop this morning, and I have to be careful how I word that, okay? We had a deacon share with us recently in a deacon meeting, and he teaches uh, in our one of our elementary Sunday school classes, and he was teaching out of the book of Judges <coughs> and how the children of Israel went into idolatry, and then God would have to send in a judge to deliver them. And there was a young girl sitting there, and her eyes kept getting bigger and bigger. And finally, she raised her hand and said, Mr. Bassnet, I go into the Dollar Tree all the time. <laughs> okay, we're not talking about the Dollar Tree. We're talking about idolatry, all right? But the children of Israel, there was no king in Israel, and every man and woman was doing what was right in their own eyes, turning against what the Lord had said. And so although they had been redeemed, now they're in rebellion. But what does God promise? Restoration. That cycle in Judges, it reminds us of who we are, but it also reminds us of who God is. Every time they cry out to the Lord, what does he do? He sends a deliverer. You know what, Christian? You are going to fail. You're going to disappoint the Lord and you're going to discourage you. But if you'll humble yourself, repent of those decisions, repent of where you turned away from the Lord, the sin that you've committed, if you will come to the Lord, confess that, have a heart to turn from that, do all you can to turn from that. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's God. That's his goodness. It's his mercy. So this is the time of the judges. There were, of course, other times when Israel rebelled. It cost them their freedom. It resulted in captivity. 
those today who have rebelled against the Lord, done so by despising his counsel, verse 11. They sit in darkness, in the shadow of death. They're bound by their sins. But when they cry unto the Lord, he delivers them out of all their distresses, verse 13. His hand is not short that it cannot save. If you're bound by some habit, by some sin, by an addiction today, God can deliver you. It's cause for thanksgiving. Even those who are redeemed can ignore the Lord, go back into rebellion. The result is always the same. You'll be empty inside. It won't fulfill like it promised. You'll be empty inside. There will be spiritual hunger, guilt, and bondage. But if you'll call on the Lord, he forgives and restores. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever experienced that deliverance. But any honest Christian will say, been there. And what should be our result, or the result in our lives? Verse 15, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We actually had a testimony on Tuesday night where someone stood up and said, There was a dark time in my life because I turned from the Lord. But God delivered me, and this individual was giving praise. It makes a congregation perhaps a little uncomfortable, but according to Psalm 107, you don't have to go into all the details. That's the danger. But you can give praise to God, and he says here that that's what he loves. So we should give thanks if we've been redeemed and we know the rest that God gives if we've rebelled and if we've been restored. Now let's consider the next section. Rebellion to ruin. There are those who rebel and they don't repent. And it gets worse and worse. It gets really bad. Verse 16. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools. Okay, now that's who this is addressed to. Because of their transgression breaking the law because of their iniquities, are what? They're afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all matter of, uh, manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. In other words, they stop doing the simple things that will help sustain their lives. They stop eating, stop sleeping, they stop caring for themselves because of addictions, because of the death grip of sin on their lives. But what does verse 19 say? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their, what's the next word? They were about to be destroyed. Now Christian, sometimes we'll see other Christians that'll be often reproved and they harden their necks and sometimes God does just destroy them. But sometimes he'll let the prodigal sit in the pig pen and he sends his word and he stirs their hearts. And what does he do? 
he saves them from ruin. Now, maybe you were in a situation like that one time. You have great reason to praise God. I remember a man many years ago, he was a personal friend of mine. Had a wonderful family, and we, we served together in the church where I was an assistant. And then somebody introduced him to crack cocaine. And his life went off the rails. 17 years his life was off the rails. But God never took his eyes off the prodigal. Today he's back serving the Lord. God has restored his marriage. His kids are living for God. And we give praise. If you've been in a situation like that, you ought to give God praise. If you know someone who's in that situation, continue to pray for them and say, Lord, would you bring things around so that someday we can give you praise for restoring that life. A child, a grandchild, a friend. So, this section addresses fools. This section addresses those who have completely abandoned God and have gone after the desires of the flesh. But this section reminds us we should not stop hoping and praying. We should continue to take them before the throne. Because if they'll listen to the word of God that he sends, and I believe when you say, well, I have prayed and prayed and prayed and I don't see anything happening. Every time you pray in God's will, he sends his word. It's called conviction. You say, the more I pray, it seems like the harder and the meaner they get. That's conviction. Don't stop praying. And God can take a life of that, like that, deliver them from sin and destruction they can give thanks and we can give thanks. And I'm not just speaking flowery words this morning. I know that you know of folks that are away from God and you think, how did that ever happen? And could they ever come back? Psalm 107. What's verse 21 say? Would you read it with me? I think we need to be convinced here. Read verse 21 with me. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Look at verse 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare the work, his works with rejoicing. We often look at God through our weak eyes. Let's look at God for who he really is. Now, the next section is often where our testimonies settle, and that's, that's okay. We should give thanks for this area as well, but we should focus first on our spiritual deliverance. This is another section about deliverance. I'm calling this section from routine to rescue. Have you ever started a day you thought this is going to be like just every other day and then something in that day turns your world upside down? 
I, I preach this message this morning, and right in my line of view this morning is the Fultz family. Just It was just going to be another ordinary day. Yeah. Many times our routines turn into times where we need rescue. Verse 23, they, they that go down to the sea in ships... They do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Let me just pause for a moment. This is a verse that I can relate to. You can write right next to verse 26. Seasick. All right, look close. Mount up to heaven, go down again to the depths. Please pass the drama mean. All right, all right. Verse 27, they reel to and fro, stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wits end. How many of us use that expression? Where's that come from? Right here, all right. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh a storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be in quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. What a passage. Now this is for everybody. This isn't talking to just fools. This isn't... <clears throat> this is the redeemed, this is everybody. But what is it telling us? Our routines can turn into times where we need to be rescued. And when God does that, give him thanks. Don't forget. Obviously, this is speaking to sailors, mariners. But it also is speaking to those of us, figuratively, as we think about life's sea. I love the fact that everything that's said in this section is God's hand at work. Now, for a very short time in my life, I spent time on the open sea. But this passage reminds me, those waves, that was God. The same one who can stir the sea can calm the sea. So whether you're out at sea or you're on life's sea, when those difficult times come and, and, and it seems like the circumstances of life are washing over your life now, thank God, look to God, and then when he delivers, and he will deliver, Thank God. I'm reassured every time I pray that God will deliver someone who's battling cancer. Because every time for the Christian, God answers that prayer. He delivers them. Now, he can use medical science, but ultimately, not, they're, they're going to get delivered. In fact, they're going to have a body that can't get cancer. It's going to be perfect. So these works of God, he commands the winds, the waves, verse 25. Does he command your circumstances? 
Yeah, Job learned that, didn't he? The great storms that the Lord causes on the oceans can cause men's hearts to melt, to literally be at their wits' end. But God is in control, and God delivers. Now, some of you have literal sea stories. Others of us know what it's like to go from a calm life to an absolute storm. But then we've seen God turn it all around again, right? And when that happens, when there is that deliverance, what should we do? Look at verse 31. Would you read it with me? Oh, that men should praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Don't forget his deliverance. But the psalm is not done. The psalm... The psalmist knows that there will be doubters who hear this psalm and they're going to withhold praise. Why? Well, because the human heart doubts God's greatness and his goodness. Some think, well, you know, I hear testimonies and I know God does that for others, but he's not going to do it for me. I've tried to live a life that pleases the Lord. But look where it has gotten me. I'm so glad Job is in the Bible. So the psalmist concludes by reminding the righteous, verse 42. Now notice he's talking to the righteous. That's why you got to go down to verse 42. Notice who he's addressing. He reminds the righteous of two truths. First, God is great and he's powerful. He holds everything together by the word of his power. But notice now, verse 33, what he's able to do. This is God. And this is happening all around us, and, and most of it we're not even aware. Verse 33, he turneth rivers into a wilderness, and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. So he's able to do just the opposite. By the way, for the unrighteous, he causes his rain to fall on them just like the righteous. He continues to feed everybody on this planet. Verse 36, and there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city of habitation. And sow the fields and plant the vineyards, which may yield fruit of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. All right, now, what about the unrighteous? Again, keep Israel in mind. Because God put them in a land where if they served other gods and not the God of heaven, it stopped raining. Literally, their rivers turned into dry beds. So this was written to Israel. They know this to be true. Verse 39, again, they are, uh, and the word there is diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes, causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Why? Because they rejected God's way, his right way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. 
The righteous shall see it and rejoice. Watch, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Now there's something that we, we should not miss here. For the righteous continue to hold on to God. Because he will deliver and you can give praise. If you're a fool and you abandon God and what he says in his word, there's coming a day where you, you're going to have all kinds of things to complain about. God's going to stop your mouth. In fact, for those that reject God are not redeemed. The Bible says someday they'll stand before the, the perfect son of God. And the Bible says their mouths will be stopped. The unrighteous literally here are made to shut their mouths before the great God of eternity. Now verse 43, we've seen this, whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness, again, kindness, mercy, goodness of the Lord. So when you're going through these deep valleys, or it may seem like the worst storm at sea that you could possibly be in. Think of Psalm 107. Hang on, you're going to have reason to praise the Lord. So thank him now. By the way, don't be anxious for anything, Philippians 4, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep. It'll guard your heart from questioning God. Lord, I, I just don't, I just don't, I'm not sure that you can deliver out of this one. It'll guard your heart from those thoughts and will keep you looking unto Jesus. And so what's the application of this psalm? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. I love what Jim Berg says. God is always up to something good in your life. Always. If there's a question about that, that's your flesh. Don't listen. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Father, thank you for this song. Lord, we have so much to thank you for, and we ought to thank you for it all. But Lord, you tell us in your word to be specific. Thank you for your redemption that gives us rest. Thank you for restoration when we've been rebels. Thank you for your deliverance when our rebellion has brought us to just about ruin. And Father, thank you that in our daily routines, when storms assail us, Thank you that you deliver. And you're our unchanging God, almighty, powerful. Lord, you cannot look on sin. You'll judge it. You'll chasten for it. But Lord, when we turn you back to your word and to you, 
there's deliverance. So help us to give thanks. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.